Welcome to Finding Joy in the Hard podcast, where you'll get to hear powerful stories of perseverance, strength, and courage from people who've gone through incredible challenges and have come out the other side. You'll get to learn how they persevered, how they got out of bed, how they found light in the dark and joy in the hard. I'm your host, Suzanne Andorra Barron. In addition to being a podcaster, I'm a yoga instructor, a meditation coach, and a Jinshin Jitsu practitioner. Jinshin Jitsu is a 3,000-year-old healing practice in which we use our hands and our breath to release emotional, physical, and mental discomfort. Meditation, yoga, breathwork, Jinshin Jitsu, and many other practices were all part of my healing, and that's why I became an instructor. My goal is to help my students, and now all of you, connect to your inner strength, find your light within, and to remember that you are so much stronger than you think you are. This podcast will mostly be interview style. Sharing our stories is important. We get to hear what others have been through. We get to connect and to realize we're not alone. But before I introduce you to my guests over the coming weeks, you need to hear my story, where I've come from, to know why I am the way I am. So let's begin. We were an ordinary family, mom, dad, two boys, living in Glenrock, New Jersey, 30 minutes outside of New York City. Leukemia came out of the blue. We had no warning. Our three-year-old son, Christopher, woke up one morning. He was sluggish and he had a cough. That was it. Those were the only symptoms he had. He was running around the house with his little brother, Ryan, who was one at the time, and he wasn't running as fast. And if it weren't for the fact that we were going out of town to a wedding in upstate New York the next day, I wouldn't have even taken him to the pediatrician. But since we were, I ran him over. She listened to his chest. She said she heard something. She handed me a prescription for albuterol, told me to do breathing treatments twice a day with him, and she wished us a good trip. Throughout the weekend, Christopher's breathing got worse. He became more sluggish. It was hard for him to keep up with his one-year-old brother, and two-year-old cousin Jake as they played tag with my husband in the courtyard at the motel we were staying in. I feared the worst. My worst-case scenario was pneumonia or asthma. When my boys were babies, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. And basically what that meant was I worried all the time about everything. So I went to worst-case, pneumonia or asthma. The thing was, it was so much worse than I could ever have imagined. When Christopher was in the stroller, we had a side-by-side stroller, Christopher took one breath for every four breaths that Ryan took. My sister, Melissa, whose son Jake had asthma, said, you need to go to the ER. So we knew he was sick, but we never thought ER sick. Yes, my worst case scenario was pneumonia or asthma. But in truth, 
I just assumed I was over worrying because every headache was a possible brain tumor and every chest pain was a possible heart attack. I didn't think Christopher was really ER sick or else we would have taken him much sooner. We ran him over to the local ER. After chest x-rays, they told us our son's lung had collapsed. His lung had collapsed from fluid. We thought that would be the worst news we would get that weekend. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. He and I were transferred via ambulance to a larger hospital in Buffalo because the smaller hospital didn't have the ability to drain his lung. After hours and hours of blood tests in the ER, Christopher was admitted. Early the next morning, a doctor in a white coat brought Rich and I, my husband Rich and I, down to a windowless room. He sat us down and he said, we think your son might have a malignancy. The room tilted sideways. Malignancy? Cancer? Our three-year-old? No, he wasn't alive long enough to develop cancer. Needless to say, we were shattered. Because he was so unstable and only had one working lung, he and I were medevaced back to New Jersey while Rich drove home. Ryan was still at the wedding with my sister. Five days after Christopher woke up with a cough and sluggishness, it was confirmed. He had acute lymphoblastic leukemia, otherwise known as childhood leukemia. We were devastated, as any parent would be. We didn't know how to function, but somehow we got through those days. And then, on day 28 of treatment, we learned Christopher was in remission. His lung, thankfully, was fully recovered by then as well. Treatment was long, two and a half years, but I truly believed leukemia was behind us. That's not to say I didn't worry. I was a worrier. I worried when my husband served our children over easy eggs. What if Christopher got salmonella from the egg yolk? Or when I had to cut his, his, uh, he got a chemo pill every night and I had to use a pill cutter to cut it in half. And I was listen carefully to make sure I heard the crack. And when I didn't hear a crack, I panicked. But some things were saving grace. We had this incredible need to give our boys a good life. One thing my husband said to me, Suzanne, we won't let cancer define Christopher, nor us. He is so much bigger than this disease, as are we. And you know, that changed our lives. I likely would have rallied around cancer research and funding. And while that's really important, I had enough on my plate to not take that on. I had two little boys to parent. I had to take my son frequently for treatment. And I had an anxiety disorder to manage. Life was precarious. We didn't know from one day to the next if Christopher might get a fever and have to go to the ER. 
Christopher had a catheter. So it was right in his chest next to his heart. And that's where he received his chemotherapy. And when you have a catheter, if you get a fever of 101 or higher, you have to go to the ER because they have to check and make sure it's not something more serious. So we couldn't put things off. If I was tired and I wanted to, t- I wanted to do something fun with the kids, I couldn't say, oh, we'll do it tomorrow because tomorrow we might be running to the ER. So I made sure every day we did something fun, no matter where we were. If we were in clinic, if we were home, we did something fun. So if it was raining, we'd build an obstacle course in the living room with spaghetti pots and tennis balls and pillows. Or maybe we'd put raincoats on and rain boot and jump in the pillow, jump in the puddles. We did something every fun every single day. And what's really cool about that, it was something I could control because there was so little in our lives that we could control. And having that helped me feel a sense of strength. The other thing that I did, and this was recommended by my friend, or not even recommended, it was just shared by my friend Harriet, whose four-year-old son was also fighting leukemia at the same time Christopher was. And she said to me, you know, Suzanne, I realized that we're going to have really good times during these two and a half years, and I don't want to miss them. And so I'm starting a gratitude journal. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do one too. So every day I wrote down three to five things that we were grateful for. And what I didn't realize when I was starting it, that gratitude journal changed our mindset because it helped me focus on the positive and it gave more weight to the positive than the negative, which was huge in our lives. Christopher did well on treatment. He was never hospitalized again since that first week he was diagnosed, which was truly remarkable. All his treatment was on an outpatient basis. His catheter came out after a year, so even when he did get sick, normal childhood illnesses, like strep or a virus, he didn't have to go to the ER or the hospital. He was in school played baseball and soccer. We skied and vacationed at the Jersey Shore and in Hilton Head, South Carolina. Life was normal, or as normal as we could make it. But four and a half years into his remission, when Christopher was eight, he relapsed. He had fevers one month after another, but they kept getting ruled viral. And then one day, after his fourth fever, one every month of 105 each time, they did a bone marrow tap to rule out leukemia. And sadly, it was my worst fear. Leukemia. And devastated doesn't describe how we felt. We knew what treatment entailed but they told us it was going to be so much worse this time. There was no clear-cut way to treat it because while it was a relapse, he had some adult cancer cells in there too. It was called AML. And so Rich and I got six second opinions from the top 
leukemia specialists in the country. Thankfully, after day 28, Christopher got into remission. Now, treatment was harder, as I said, and he did have to go inpatient, but he returned to school. We pursued as normal a life as possible. That was our goal. When he was little, it was one fun thing a day. And while one fun thing a day was still really important, Christopher and Ryan were in school now. Christopher was in second grade. Ryan was in kindergarten. Hanging out with mom, you know, wasn't as important as being with their friends. So my new goal was normalcy. Do whatever we could to have normalcy. When Memorial Day came around six weeks after Christopher relapsed, he begged me to skip the scheduled treatment over the weekend. Mom, we can't miss opening day. Ryan and I have gone every year. Give me extra chemo or I'll stay longer, but don't make me miss it. But of course, I didn't have that control. So I took my very, very sad child for treatment. He had a cough. When his doctor listened to his chest, she said, you know, he has bronchitis. He can't get treatment. He'll have to come back on Tuesday. You would have thought she was telling us we could go to Disney World. Christopher and I jumped up, cheered, and did a jig. We had the best weekend. The four of us went to the pool every day. We brought our nephew, Jake. Christopher's friends joined in. It was the best. That was one of the ways we found joy in the hard. We grasped what we could. But one year after he relapsed, one of the chemos caused a more aggressive cancer. And this time, it was an adult leukemia called AML, which is much harder to treat. They couldn't get him into remission. We fought so hard, but we lost him on July 23rd, 2007. I didn't know how to breathe, let alone live. And I was so angry at God for, for not saving our child. I truly believed God would step in and save him. And when he didn't, I couldn't forgive him. And I struggled to forgive myself as well. I was his mom. I should have been able to save him. I was in deep grief for three years. I would, I would leave the house only when necessary to take Ryan to school, to see friends, to go to the town pool. And I also started cycling. Rich had always wanted me to cycle with him. He was a big cyclist. And I always said, no, 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 no. What if I get hit by a car? We have two young boys. And and after Christopher died, I realized, oh my gosh, I worried all the time. It was so unnecessary. We couldn't, we can't control things anyway. I thought the worst has already happened. What was there to be afraid of? And so I started cycling with him and I would go to the cemetery. Parents who would say, I can't imagine what you're going through. I would say to them, 
whatever you can imagine, it's one billion times worse. Because when you have your child next to you, you just can't imagine it, which is a good thing. Through therapy and prayer, I eventually forgave God. It took me longer to forgive myself. One mom in my online grief group explained mom guilt perfectly. She said, as moms, we have one job to protect our children and keep them safe. And if they die, we blame ourselves because we failed. And it may not make sense, but that's how we felt. I had guilt for a long time, and it didn't matter what anybody said to me. Of course, I couldn't control whether my child got cancer, but that didn't take away the guilt. But through yoga and meditation and my friends and family, and most especially Rich and Ryan, I found my way to living again. Rich and I decided that we would somehow have to pull it together for Ryan because Ryan couldn't have a terrible life because his parents couldn't pull it together. He was only seven when his big brother died. And, you know, Ryan helped us find that light and helped us find that joy because when Christopher first got sick, one of his nurses named Jeannie said, your children will get you through this because their primary purpose is play. And that was still true for Ryan after Christopher's death. See, children don't grieve like adults. They can't hold on to that sadness like we can. And that was a saving grace because as difficult as it was in the beginning, to take Ryan to the town pool when the last thing I wanted to do was be out in public. I did it because he needed it. And my husband did the same by taking him to the movies. That was something I couldn't do. So Rich could do that. And together we parented and gave him a good life, I have to say. So now it's been 16 years since Christopher passed. You know, after year 10, I stopped counting, but then my doctor asked me, and I kind of had to figure it out, so I told her 16. So this podcast, I'll share more of how we lived, our struggles, our perseverance, and how we found joy. And we did find joy. That's important to know. Some parents might not have joy after their child dies, but we do. And maybe it's because Rich and I fought so hard at so many different times. And you know what? I wanted to be happy again. When I was in deep grief, I just didn't know how to get there. But having that desire, that inkling of a desire, and no, it was not right away. In the beginning, I talked about wanting to die all the time. It was so hard for my family to hear. They thought they lost me. And then when I stopped saying I wanted to die, I talked about having one foot in this world and one foot in the next world. So 
I don't want to create the illusion that I didn't struggle because everyone who knows me knows that I struggled. It's almost unimaginable that I am where I am today. I'm launching this podcast on December 4th because that date holds meaning to my family. It's the date my dad passed. Most people view the anniversary of a death as a sad day, and it is a sad day, but we learn to stretch ourselves on the anniversary of Christopher's death, to do things that pushed us outside of our comfort zone, because outside of our comfort zone, we could feel something other than pain. After Christopher passed, I still had this incredible need to make him happy. Ryan too, of course Ryan. But it sounded a bit strange that I needed to make my child in heaven happy. But the thing was, even though he wasn't physically here, I still had this need to parent him. So the second anniversary of Christopher's death, I wanted to do something to make Ryan, Jake, and Christopher happy. So we drove to the Jersey Shore where Rich, Ryan, and I, and Christopher had had so much fun when the boys were younger. The last time we were there was in 2006. I'd taken Christopher and Ryan for a few days. Rich had to work, but I wanted to give them a summer vacation after Christopher had relapsed. We learned to stretch ourselves on the anniversary of Christopher's death. So pushing ourselves to feel something other than the pain became in time a push to remind us of the incredible gift that life is. Subsequent years on the anniversary of Christopher's death, we spent time with our larger family. Christopher passed in the summer And so we were all together at the beach with my siblings and their kids, my nieces and nephews. Together, all 18 of us ate Christopher's favorite foods. We told stories about Christopher and laughed about things that he found funny and we found funny. And we embraced a new challenge. One year, we paddleboarded. Another year, we took canoes out onto the the bay. I'm not very good at rowing a boat, so that was a challenge for me. Christopher lived life so fully. All kids do, but Christopher had this, he just had this zest for life. He never complained about treatment. He enjoyed the simplest things, like a barbecue, hanging out with friends, swimming at the town pool, being with Ryan, and just sitting and talking. Every night after dinner, he'd say, so mom, what do you want to talk about? So by stretching ourselves and living boldly on the anniversary of Christopher's death, I learned to live boldly on the anniversary of my dad's death. My dad passed two years after Christopher in 2009. I was still deeply grieving my son. It's important for me to launch my podcast on December 4th because 
My dad believed in me before I believed in me. He believed I could do anything. And so I had to launch my podcast on this date. Finding Joy in the Hard podcast came out of the blue for me. I wasn't someone who always wanted to do a podcast. The tech alone freaked me out. But then one day I had this idea of holding space for others who've gone through incredible challenges like myself. Not the same challenges, no. Challenges from all different walks of life. You'll get to hear from so many incredible, incredible people. Some of my guests have lost their beloved husbands. Some were in their 30s when their husbands passed. Some of my guests' children have autism. One of my guests is quadriplegic and a single dad. And there are so many more guests that I've yet to speak to. But I want to introduce them to you so that together we can learn how they persevered, how they got out of bed, and how they found life again. We can use their stories as guideposts of what can be possible. And I will learn right along with you. There are three things I know for sure. Light can be found in the dark. Joy can be found in the hard. And you are so much stronger than you think you are. I am proof. I never expected to be happy again. And yet I am. If I can do it, so can you. I can't wait to share this podcast with you. One more thing before I close. Every episode will include a healing tip. So here's one for you today. When you get stressed or frustrated, check your breath. You're likely holding your breath or breathing very shallow. Try this. Take three deep inhales and exhales. If you have anxiety, the exhale may be harder than the inhale, but be patient with yourself. In time, it will lengthen. If you'd like more healing tips, including Jinchinjitsu, you can sign up for my weekly newsletter at SuzanneABaron.com. Every newsletter has a different healing tip. I send the newsletter out every Sunday. You can also find me on Instagram at SuzanneAndoraBaron, where I share healing tips, mindfulness tips, and other ahas and teachings that I have. Thank you so much for joining me at Finding Joy in the Hard. Until next time.